1: 1-2 pitch, ball lined to Yout, it's short! He throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yout, makes a great catch! And won, the Amos has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings and here it is! A face hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's has gone. Brown! A two-run home run! The Brewers take the lead! Morgan a smash up the middle.
2: Cruising for Bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Step Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, this series was like a sandwich made out of emotions. Top piece of bread was joy. The meat, the condiments, and the veggies, those two middle games, they were pain. And then the bottom piece of bread, uh, Was also joy, four game series, two two to split with the Cubs. You should put
3: something else in the sandwich. There's a there's an actual metaphor for this. You put meat and veggies in the middle, which I don't think most people equate to you know painful losses to the Cubs.
2: Yeah, but this this is just my construct because this is is a shit
3: sandwich. This is what this was.
2: Uh, it was, but at the very least, just two great pieces of sourdough to to have on the, the top and the bottom to bookend this sandwich where the, the middle was... Ooh, I didn't like to eat that. Anyway, happy Friday, Adam. We're going into the weekend, you know, coming off the heels of America celebrating uh alcoholism and fireworks. I don't know. How you doing?
3: I'm doing well. Um... I mean, certainly, I really enjoyed, I mean, one of the games this series is maybe the most fun I've had watching the Brewers this season. Uh, less so for some of the other games. But, you know, what a, what a series for baseball. Let's just, let's say that to begin with. These were four incredible games. Just imagine if these teams were, like, duking it out like this at a series like this late in the season in a division that wasn't quite as sorry as the NL Central is. That was kind of one of the thoughts came to mind for me for this. This is the way, you know, if Cubs-Brewers is always like this, well, that seems pretty electric. Uh, So a very good series for the neutral and just incredible amounts of pain all around if you're on any other side of the Cubs-Brewers divide.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, this series, I mean, this was the, I think Logan shared it in the Discord, uh, Sarah Langs, who we've talked about before, uh, likes to post the uh, weird run ex- or win expectancy charts at the end of games where somebody like would, you know, the game takes a drastic swing at the end and it, it changes very sharply. So this was the uh, win expectancy chart sh- series where you see the line just go in crazy ways. Uh, so that did make it make it stressful for uh, fans that had a vested interest in the series. I got to say uh, over in the nation's capital the washington nationals just absolutely useless against the reds this this series so that you know both the the cubs and brewers fans can watch their teams uh be affected in the standings by this very entertaining and wild turn of events series um but uh yeah so the the brewers uh split two games with the cubs and The nature of all the games, it's was it a series where you could envision your team winning every game and you could also envision your team losing every game. So when you come out of it with a split, you're kind of just like, okay, uh, that seems about right. At least that's how I came down with it. So the Brewers are now 47 and 41, two games back of the 49 and 39 Reds who come to town. Uh, tonight, and we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, Cubs are now eight games back of the Reds at 40 and 46. Pirates are now eight and a half games back at 40 and 47. Uh, Cardinals are now uh, 12 and a half games back, 36 and 51. And as we approach the, the all-star break, obviously we'll see what happens this weekend. It looks like we're getting the two-team race that we expected all year, team at the top, It's just not the Cardinals. It is another team in red. And uh, I think we have the shape of what the second half is going to be, although a lot of that will be decided by what happens across these three games. Uh, We'll talk about um, the four games ahead. We'll briefly touch on the draft a little later. Uh, Not too much to talk about your team that picks 18th and 33rd, so there's some opportunity there to add to your system. But all of the chatter around the Brewers kind of seems to be landing in the same spot so i'll just kind of give you a rundown of what most of the mock drafts are showing but before that uh do you want to talk about some of the uh the transactions that have happened in the last week adam
3: yeah i'm trying to think off the top of my head now you'll be more prepared for this but are we going to talk about a bunch of transactions that have been and gone i'm sure there's elements of that it's a it's a weird time as the brewers just try to make their way to uh if not the finish line, the midway line, if there's such a thing, of this MLB season.
2: Yeah, the first one is one we'll talk about uh, pretty early in this series uh, because Brian Anderson uh, was placed on the paternity list early in this series and that gave the Brewers opportunity to sign a guy named Jemai Jones and he's still here. Uh, This was a transaction that uh, we wondered if would be short-lived uh, in, in the Discord talking about um, Jones being added to the team. But uh, he's still here, and, and we'll get to this in a moment. But he had uh, one of the best moments of the season thus far. He was uh, recently with the Dodgers AAA affiliate in Oklahoma City, hit 293, 428 543 in 62 games before opting out of his minor league deal. Um, He had not been with a major league team uh, since 2021 when he played with Baltimore. Uh, I think he was a a former heavily regarded prospect, but has never really found uh, consistency at the major league level, but uh, was playing well in AAA this year. And, uh, you know, despite never panning out in the Angels organization or as an Oriole at the big league level, uh is here with the Brewers now, and I guess we can see what he's got, especially uh, after having a nice series against the Cubs.
3: I am a little bit wary of this, because I feel like we've gone through this with players from within the, the Brewers' own system, where not quite at the Jamai Jones level, but there's a really exciting big moment to start things off. You know, some good productivity. And then it just kind of, over time, fades away, which is... I guess what we should be expected for players who are either not up at the major league level and valued as contributors elsewhere, um, nor kind of super young up and comers where it's just a matter of when is the right time. So very good start all around. And we'll get into the specifics of it shortly. There is an opportunity right now um, with the way the Brewers infield looks in a variety of different ways to make a mark. And yeah, We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it holds up better. Maybe this is a guy I know has had a share of injury problems and just it's all going to click into place now. Um, If nothing else, we've got one absolutely golden moment, though. That's that's where I guess I'll lead this off with.
2: Yeah, uh, my expectations are low. But like I said, with uh, Julio Tehran, who obviously gave us a volume of good starts uh, before he started to struggle. Uh, with Jamai Jones now, with what he's done in his first appearance, I'm in smile because it happened mode with uh, him. With whatever happens at the end of this, uh, elsewhere on the roster, when BA was reinstated after his paternity leave, or not really leave, you know, it's 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 not it's like when like you're game, working for, right. Yeah, two games. I think uh, it's not like when you're working for a tech company where you're just uh, you're gone for three months and uh. They've reorganized the entire company when you get back. It's not like that in baseball. You're not you're not gone uh, too long, but uh, reinstated and then Rowdy Tellez has been added to the ten day IL with right forearm inflammation. Rowdy's struggles in the last uh, month or so have been notable. Uh, six for his last forty seven at the plate. Uh, could is this a a, a situation where? He was playing through some pain and that was affecting his performance, potentially. Uh, Tyson Miller was also recalled from Nashville and J.C. Mejia selected. And then uh, J.B. Bukowskis and Clayton Andrews uh, both optioned to Nashville as well. Mike Brasso designated for assignment. Thomas Panone released. He is uh, assigned with the team in KBO in Korea um, since then. So I wonder if that was something uh that was in the works, and the the Brewers knew was uh something he wanted to do possible so that kind of accelerated that decision and did not result in him eventually getting to Nashville yeah, I guess the the only real surprising part of this was Brasso being dFA uh obviously he had a bad year with the Brewers he was before, performing pretty poorly with the sounds. And I think one of the names of the game with the Brewers roster in 2023 has been versatility and Mike Brasso can play a lot of positions, but he doesn't play them very well. So I guess that left him as the odd man out in the shuffle and just uh, was not a viable option if he wasn't mashing lefties. And here it is. uh, Rowdy to the IL, another revolving door of, bullpen arms, and then Mike Brasso probably no longer with the organization, and uh, we go from there.
3: Yeah, I mean, the the bross move is the one that I guess is quite visceral and surprising because we have gone through spells where he's been a very, very important part of this team. Um, Do you know what Mike Brasso's batting average with Nashville this season is?
2: Uh, it was below 200. It's
3: 188. Oof. Like, that's what's going to do it. Uh, 232 OBP, 188 average. It's not even like he was tearing it up in Nashville, and then it just wasn't happening for him when he'd get back up with the Brewers. It feels like a blow, to be honest, because he's the kind of guy, as you said, with his versatility that going into the season you would have banked on for whether he was in Nashville and kind of one call away or whether he's on the Brewers being able to offer some versatility um, and being able to offer a steady bat against lefties. This hasn't happened. And yeah, it's I guess reflective of some of the, the larger problems where it feels like we've got quite a few spots where there are almost revolving doors now and maybe even potential at some other spots for, for them to open up as we, we carry on into the second half. So it's a loss, like in the abstract, abstracted theory, based on what we would have been banking on as, I don't know, at least something kind of replacement level as an option from Brasso. But there is a reason why the Brewers took this move, and it's because he has been really, really bad in Nashville. I guess the only thing that is worth talking about here, and even with the Jemai Jones of it all, and now just in this spot where it's like, okay, gonna be without Rowdy for ten days. Rowdy himself, I believe the reports were was adamant that's all it would be. Um, we'll see. Like, there there weren't denials that he's been dealing with that issue for a while now. Andrew, surely, surely this is Kess and Hero time. And it still hasn't happened, which is interesting surprising I don't know what, what spin we want to put on it but the way all of this played out and Kesson still being in Nashville is a surprise I'll be honest at this
2: point yeah I I I wonder if that's coming soon I I know because he doesn't have options it's a thing where when you bring him up you want to know that you've got some runway to really see what it is. Otherwise he's going to go the way of Brasso. But I think it's, I think it's getting to be time and after the all-star break uh, feels like a good time to do it. Obviously DH, the Brewers have gotten some of the the worst production in baseball from the DH position and the idea of throw Keston Hura in there and just, strike out homer, whatever it may be, just see what happens, is getting more appealing by the day. I got to be honest with you. This is something we did not think we would be having this conversation in July, but here we are.
3: And even beyond that, I mean, we were very much on record with how we felt at Kessler first last year. But you look at Rowdy's struggles, and then I think even more than that, you look at, oh, Miller's series at first, where kind of, to my surprise, anyway, it was, it was horrible defensively. And you're like... God, maybe Keston is better defensively at first than Owen Miller. Probably not, Andrew. It's probably just one series based on us having a track record of good defense at multiple spots from Miller. Um, But first doesn't look like his most comfortable by any means. Keston doesn't look comfortable anywhere, which is really the whole problem with him. But as you said, if it ends up being a lot of DH, mostly DH, well, that will have more than its own value too. If we can just get some of those moments, it this is a this is a bad reflection of where the Brewers are at. I mean, I think for you and I, this is what being down bad about the Brewers equates to. Just being like, you got it, it's kissing your time. But I I do think it is, and I even think when you talk about the runway, if the runway isn't there now and over the last week with a lot of the kind of juggling around the infield and trying to work out who plays where like when is their runway because maybe rowdy does heal up and comes back and we start to see something a little bit better or there's just some normal shape returns to the infield it's not going to be then this was the chance and if he came up and played well well then you're like okay he's earned it and he's he's going to be back in the mix and we're going to really look at him as a key piece so if that is the kind of thinking i don't know what situation could be kind of more dire than the one they've been in lately where you would think this is the time to turn to Europe.
2: I think and it's it's one of two things I think they're waiting out whatever Jemai Jones is on this team waiting out a Andromana stereo hot treat because he continues to play well and we'll talk about him a little bit later and the big one is if they ever decide that jesse winker does not have a spot on this roster any longer those are the three uh decisions that i see them potentially make over the next few weeks that gets keston's bat into the mix um but before we get into all that uh adam shall we talk about this uh heart attack of a series let's do it all right
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
2: Uh, Monday afternoon uh, day games that uh, you know for some reason didn't didn't expect them in the schedule uh, so left us uh, scrambling on a on a Monday morning to get things up and running um, because of my lack of foresight but uh, Julio Tehran takes the mound uh, facing off against uh, Drew Smiley of the Cubs and a second consecutive tough start for Tehran. But I will say that he did a great job to persevere and get through six innings. Despite his issues, he had gotten a lot of very good batted ball luck early in his, uh, tenure as a brewer. And that seemed to all regress in this series because while he allowed some hard contact, he allowed a lot of soft contact as well, which led to the nine hits and six earned runs that he would allow, uh, in the second, Cody Bellinger single-scores. Dansby Swanson makes it 1-0. Cubs, Christopher Morrell follows with a double to score. Bellinger makes it 2-0 in the second. And then Tucker Barnhart with an infield single-scores. Morel makes it 3-0. So 3-0 after the second inning. Uh, in the third, Nick Madrigal doubles to score Christopher Mo- Christopher Morrell and Dansby Swanson. That makes it 5-0. And then Tucker Barnhart singles to score. Nick Madrigal makes it 6-0. So 6-0 after three innings. Uh, which makes it all the more impressive that Tehran win a full six innings, nine hits, six runs, all earned, a walk, seven strikeouts, ninety-three pitches. So Tehran's got a three-six-four ERA through his uh, Brewers tenure thus far, and uh, I think his like overall performance is kind of balancing out to probably what it should be for his entire Brewers run. But terrible start to the game, but buckles down and at a time where just firing bullpen arm after bullpen arm is not a good outcome given how much the the core guys haven't worked thus far. I applaud Tehran for just gutting through this game and giving the Brewers a chance to win.
3: What you finished on took the words on. You gave them a chance to win, and it doesn't sound like it because with this team, if you give up six runs, generally we're not going to think they have a chance to win. As it turned out, they did. But he didn't just give them a chance to win in this game. He gave them a chance to win in game two and game three and game four because we saw just the situation, the grim, dark spot that the bullpen is in and how much they're having to reach and reach and reach. If he ends up having to be hooked from this game in the fourth, let's say it's he doesn't regain composure and he's still giving up runs it probably spells even more pain for the Brewers over the course of this series. Maybe they don't even get close into some of these games, or I mean, I don't even know what it looks like in terms of the strain they're having to put on, on some of their better, more reliable to be a little bit unkind to the rest of the group. I would say real relievers. So the one thing that he has done every single game he has played for the Brewers is he has gone out and he takes his innings and, He puts his start in and then it's over to the bullpen. And more often than not, it's over to the bullpen in a position where the Brewers have a chance. We've talked at length about him being let down by the offense, maybe more than any other Brewers pitcher this season. But I as much as this was rough, I really do tip my hat to him because he's going to go out there and he's going to do his job and he's going to give you five to six innings every single time. That is not insignificant, particularly in a stretch like the one the Brewers are currently going through. Do we prefer to see the the shutdown version of them? That's just absolutely nails. Absolutely. But this in its own way was worth its way in gold for the Brewers.
2: Did you say run support, Adam? Because he finally got some in a game. Uh, in the third inning, down 6 nothing. William Contreras. I think this was this hit, the piss missile double lined uh, in the gap between uh, left and center, scores Bryce Terrain, makes it 6-1. to one. Christian Yelich then uh, triples to right to score Contreras it's 6-2 in the third. William Adamas follows with a single. So in the third inning, uh, after the Cubs had completed their run scoring, the Brewers then immediately uh, cut that lead in half to make it 6-3. Jemai Jones comes to play in the seventh inning. Pinch hitting. Uh, it was kind of a, a a battle of wits between uh David Ross and Craig Council. Uh the original pinch hitter that uh Council brought to the plate was Jesse Winker. Uh David Ross counters with a left-handed reliever. Uh Council then pinch hits Jemai Jones, a guy obviously we just talked about, has not been in the big leagues since 2021. First pitch doubles to center field, scoring Rymail Tapia, Christian Yelich, and Owen Miller to tie the game at six. One of my favorite moments of the Brewers season. Jamai Jones steps to the plate for the first time in a major league uniform in around two years. And just first pitch he sees ties the game up with one swing, crushes a baseball, just eliminates a six nothing deficit. What a moment. I think I messaged. You at the time said this has poten- this has moment potential or disaster potential. And we got moment <laughs> like so much fun.
3: First pitch, like yeah. no, no messing around at all. He's waiting all that time to get into the big leagues. He's gone through a lot um, over the past 18 months or so with injury. And to get the call on the day last minute to be there, your team are in a not very great spot. You know, approaching not quite 4th of July, but 3rd of July, big crowd, Cubs, Brewers. That's it. It's certainly a way to announce yourself as a brewer. And I. it really could be. I just want to, I'm protecting myself and protecting everyone else's, which is, it could just be that. But if it is just that, that might be a moment that's hard to top by anyone this season. It was really special.
2: Sure was, Adam. Um, In the eighth, Willie Adamas with runners on, trying to come through with a big hit. Fights uh, one off into right field. Singles scores William Contreras. That makes it 7-6 Brewers. And then Owen Miller hits a sacrifice fly to right field to score Christian Yelich. Brewers behind Julio Tehran got scoreless relief from JB Bukowskis, Joel Piamps, and then Devin Williams closes things out in uh, the ninth. A hit and a walk to make it a little bit scary. But the Brewers get the 8-6 win. And the story of the game is Tayron fighting through adversity and then Jemai Jones coming up big uh, as he returned to the major leagues. What a win. Adam, moving on to game two. Much less fun. Uh, Wade Miley on the mound against Kyle Hendricks. The battle between soft-tossing uh, pitchers One from the left-handed side, one from the right-handed side. Gotta say, early in this game, Kyle Hendricks, very annoying and effective. Uh, Wade Miley, less so, but, you know, it wasn't a terrible outing. In the second, Jan Gomes doubles the score. Saya Suzuki makes it 1-0 Cubs. In the third, Dansby Swanson, solo homer, makes it 2-0 Cubs. In the fifth, Trey Mancini, sack fly, scores Ian Hatt, makes it 3-0 Cubs. And then an infield, uh, or excuse me, not an infield single, but a single by Cody Bellinger scores Christopher Morel, makes it four nothing Cubs. After the fifth, uh, Kyle Hendricks, to his credit, really limited most of the damage that the Brewers could do. Six innings pitched, four hits, two runs, one of them was earned to walk, five strikeouts. Uh, but much like the last game, the Brewers would claw back in this game. Down four nothing in the fifth, Bryce Tarang single scores Owen Miller to make it four to one. In the sixth, uh, William Contreras. Ah, uh, legs out, an infield single, and then Christian Yelich scores on a throwing error by the catcher Amaya, where it's kind of a, a weird play where he underhanded it, kind of tried to flip it to first base, and went by the bag. And then David Ross, Wa- uh, David Ross was complaining about uh, William Contreras. I don't know; he thought he was in his nonsense. David Ross just well, like it's to hard to remember. To
3: Everything he was complained about in the series, I was is gonna say.
2: Yeah, David Ross went full Karen in the series. I think is the best way to describe it. And I guess that was the first bit of it. Um, in the eighth, uh, Amaya would make up for his error and and double to score Chris or Cody Bellinger and and Young and make it six to two. And then in the eighth, now injured Rowdy Tellez singles to score. Joey Wiener, makes it six three. Willie, Willie Adamas follows that with a double to make it six four. Uh, Brewers mount to come back in the ninth to force uh, extra innings A Christian Yelich single scores to make it 6-5 William Contreras comes through with a sack fly to make it 6-6 uh, Brewers unable to get anything done in the 10th inning uh, got some great relief work in this game from J.B. Bukowskis again uh, and then Elvis Peguero who pitched the uh, top of the 10th uh, to give him a chance to win it in the bottom half but it, it was not to be Clayton Andrews allows a run in the 11th when uh, Nico Horner reaches on an infield single scoring Cody Bellinger. Cubs get the win 7-6. to six. Um, David Ross uh, would also complain, I think, about uh, the roof in this game. Uh, obviously some, uh, you know, some, uh, some unpredictable weather in Milwaukee on this day. You know, you had the threat of rain. You know, we, we've we seen teams handle this poorly in the past and teams being the Pittsburgh Pirates. But I think, you know, the Brewer Stadium off team, Adam, in in my humble opinion, was just, you know, doing whatever they had to do in the moment to get the game in. And they did it, it wasn't uh, successfully.
3: No, it wasn't. Okay, them. This is according to Craig Council. Once the game starts, it's at the discretion of the umpires. So. Oh, wow. So the, the Brewers have no say in what happens with the roof. During a game, up until the game starts, it's the Brewers' decision. Once the game starts, it's the discretion of the umpires. I'm gonna assume Mr. Council is telling the truth there, but that that is what he said on that I, subject. I, so
2: I'm gonna assume it too, just based on the tenor of uh, I. I now see the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel article. I'd only seen, you see, Adam. You know, sometimes all the uh, the standout quotes are the only. Uh, ones that make it to me. And the standout quote from counsel for this was I'm not in the roof business. I don't want to be in the mm-hmm. roof business. It's a bad business to be in. You're ge- you're never going to make anyone have everyone happy in the roof business, which is just like an incredible quote for the season. I'm gonna uh frame that. And sorry to all the roofers out there, like n- with no shade to the roof business. Uh, but yes, I see in the article now that he says it is at the umpire's discretion and uh the tenor of david ross's comments were just him being mad about the umps calls and the roof roof commentary were what he had to say so that's a very good point you make that uh uh about the the rules and the nature of who makes these decisions going into it so uh but yeah uh i cut you off sorry about that
3: no that's that's what i had on it that's just that's the detail that um craig council had shared I'm assuming there is some element, like, I guess, Brewers team ups or stadium ups factor into it, or maybe it comes direct from Major League Baseball, where someone's got to have their eye on a radar and be talking about the weather that could be coming in to inform the umpires to make that decision. But that's that seems like that's who makes the decision in the end.
2: Yeah, uh, he says right here that, simply standard procedure umpires and grounds crew with a threat of rain in the area i mean yeah, you know what uh i don't i don't know why david ross you know this is a family program adam i don't know why he has to 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 use curse words in his post game presser there's you know there's families gathered gathered around on july 4th uh around their twitter screens or was twitter working on july 4th i can't remember uh, or you know, around their their YouTube's just wanting to gather together and watch the David Ross post game uh, comments, and I, I can only imagine just the shock of so many families when when he just you know led with an expletive uh, laden rant where he just accuses the Brewers of of tomfoolery, and I, I you know I just don't respect it, Adam. I think it's just it's just a, an insult to the beautiful game of baseball and to America. Frankly, I don't know. <laughs>
3: This this podcast will be marked explicit for how I described the sandwich earlier on. So I'd like to apologize to America and to those <laughs> same families.
2: <laughs> Moving on to game three of this series. Uh the, the rancid meat and vegetables of this sandwich. Uh <laughs> Adrian Hauser on the mount against Justin Steele. Uh has been very good this year. Uh it was an Adrian Hauser start. That's the best way to describe this. And you know what? He, he did his job. Uh five innings pitch, six hits, one run. It was earned, three walks and four strikeouts. Uh Ian Happ single to center in the third to score Mike Talkman to make it one-nothing. Cubs. Um yeah, this one was pro- uh yeah, this was probably the most painful of the two uh losses in the middle of the series for obvious reasons that will uh, become obvious later in the third. William Contreras singles to, sh- to score. Andrew Monasterio makes it one-to-one. Willie Adamas in the sixth inning crushes a homer to left center to make it two-to-one. Brian Anderson singles scores Jemai Jones in that same inning to make it three-to-one. Uh, the Brewers, uh, you know, do pretty well against Steele, who's had a great season. Uh, six innings pitched, nine hits, three runs. They're all earned. No walks, five strikeouts. The homer to Adamas. Adamas. Uh, this game would get to the ninth inning with uh, the Brewers holding a 3-1 to lead. Uh, you all know what that means. It means Devin Williams comes on to try and close out the game. And uh, a tough outing for Williams, largely because of how unlucky it was to, to start things off and to get him in the, the position, position that he was in. Uh, Cody Bellinger leads off the inning with a single. Then he strikes out Christopher Morrell. Uh, Jared Young reaches on an infield single to third. Some soft contact there. Uh, Jan Gomes grounds out to second. Uh, So two outs, three to one game. And then a Mike Talcman opposite field double scores Bellinger and Young. Then Talcman scores uh, as Nico Horner hits a ground ball to Brian Anderson, who makes a throwing error, a ball that Roddy Slez probably picks at first. But with him out, Owen Miller getting the, the time at first base. Uh, they would eventually get Nico Horner out on that play to get out of the inning down four to three. Uh, but the Brewers unable to do anything in the ninth. But yeah, unlucky, hard luck outing for Devin Williams to blow the save and give the Cubs a four to three win.
3: Yeah. Um, look, it's going to happen for Devin sometimes. I know we've had to say that a couple of times lately, which is less than ideal, but. He's being worked a little bit more frequently than he was early in the season. I don't know. I mean, there's parts we haven't drilled into between these two games that even now they're kind of blurring the lines. Uh, for me, yes, we, <laughs> yes in, they are. <laughs> in, in Because <laughs> they were both painful at the end. The base running fiasco. Oh, yeah. That was game go, two, right?
2: Sorry. Yeah, and, sorry. It... Go on. No, I just totally slipped my mind. But uh, in the extra innings, we have. I think I blocked it out of my mind because you know Twitter discourses aren't exactly like my favorite thing to get into when discussing baseball games. But the uh, I'll I'll set the scene because you reminded me. Sorry, let's go back to game two momentarily, uh, because this is a game that was much even more stressful than than I outlaid, um. We had two plays at the plate made by Ian Happ um, in extra innings, which were partially the reason that the Brewers were in- unable to win this game. So you get a scoreless 10th in game two from Elvis Baguero. Um Owen Miller at the plate, Andre Monasterio on second base. Hits a line drive uh, into left field and... Ian Happ has the ball before Monasterio gets to third base, I think. And uh, Ian Happ uh, not going to show up on any lists of having the best throwing arm via baseball savant, but made a very accurate throw to the plate. And Monasterio is tagged out in the 10th. Then in the 11th uh, with Owen Miller on third base, shallow fly ball by Bryce Terang. Again, an aggressive send, or I, I haven't gotten any more clarity on if that was a, a send from third-base coach Jason Lane or if Miller was running on his own. Again, an outfield assist from Ian Happ. So two plays at the plate in extra innings, to uh, one of which extended the game um, to the 11th, as Owen Miller also got called out at the base of the second base, trying to extend it there after monster was thrown out. And then again in the 11th, cut down at the plate at the end of the game. So, yeah aggressiveness that really comes across as foolishness at the end of the day. I understand this. So the send of it all, I think it was a worse send in terms of like where Monasterio was on the base pass and where the ball was on the single in the the first instance. But I understand being more aggressive when the run's going to win the game. The, th- the second time you have Owen Miller, a fast runner, but the risk is there. You end the game. So I understand the first one more than the second one, and I think both were just it. This ain't it.
3: <laughs> well, Mont- Montserrat is fast too. I I think the problem is that this happened twice. You know, one way yeah. or another. I, I I agree with your your rationale for, I guess, when you would time if you're going to take that risk, make that decision. But I I do think part of it as well is you've got two guys who are pretty fast. Okay, there's a chance there, but you know you got you got fooled once on (laughs) and you just doubled down and went again and that's not great um and i mean it's a very upsetting way to lose and the brewers fans were taking the hard loss very hard um by the time the next morning i know there was a wave of zapruder work going on with yes um, the ball not actually being in the same hand as the glove or whatever that was. And it's like, yeah, that's great when you get a still image and you have the time to really zoom in and freeze frame at a specific moment. That's also kind of devoid from the rest of the big picture. Um, You're not going to see that in the split second moment. If the Brewers had a challenge at that point, which I believe the challenge was gone, they, they still wouldn't have seen that. That wouldn't have been the thing they would have challenged on. So, it, to me, as painful as it was, it's kind of just baseball. And you know, there's an element that the day before, it's just baseball. These are the swings and roundabouts of a long season, of a really long run of games where your bullpen is all over the place, where you're dealing with some injuries, where everyone needs a break, you're not quite at your best. Um, I think this series may have just kind of encapsulated that as well as anything as brutal as it was, as poor as I think some of that decision making was. There's still like this happens, and uh, I mean, it's not fun when it happens, but it does happen,
2: yes, and that was uh, in game two. Um, I repressed that memory, so we had to go back and talk about it. Uh, i i I made the comment after cooling down that, you know, I really blame myself for letting myself believe that they were going to win the game when Willie made it six to four. So, uh, you know, like you said, that's baseball, no fault of, uh, well, there is fault. Uh, (laughs) there is fault. fault. I'm (laughs) not, I'm not absolving (laughs) blame entirely,
3: but there's also like, I, I think there's a level of this where it's like everyone can't get the most excessive blame every single time in a 162 game season, and uh, <laughs> everyone has a real off night. And you get one, that's fine. If you if two happen, that's tough. And obviously, when people are talking about like Chase Lane, it's he's had more than that over multiple seasons. I mean, it's we've had these kind of discussions last year too. I think there are valid discussions to be had about that. It feels like something, though, that you know should have been addressed at the end of last season, might be addressed at the end of this season. I don't know. But also, it's just a kind of cheap way out of We're all angry, and I need someone to blame, and this is the guy. And it's like, yeah, to some extent, he was the guy. But the thing that I, I find fascinating about baseball in my couple of years watching now is there is always someone to blame always if you want to blame someone there will always be someone there is no sport which just kind of sets itself up for scapegoating as kind of cleanly as baseball does and it's it's what makes it honestly so so brutal um but yeah i I just think you could win this game in a whole bunch of other ways too where this doesn't become the defining factor and i know people don't like to hear that kind of stuff and i might like to hear it even the other side but i i do think like if you now we are finished this series and you zoom out, I think you made the point earlier and it was something I was thinking of before we did the podcast. Both of these teams had pretty legitimate claims to say we could have swept that four game series. And when that's the case, two apiece seems just about right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's a good point about baseball because I think, in an nba game say a guy plays great defense and a guy hits a game winning shot over them i think more of the discourse would be uh did everything you could do there whereas in baseball maybe a pitcher makes a good pitch but a guy crushes a game-winning homer i think i think people are not reacting in the same way for whatever reason just because of something about the nature of baseball i don't know what it is um but yeah, also credit to Ian Happ in Game Two for just making that throw twice because it's very easy to have that throw go up the line, uh, or just drift into foul territory or something, and the Brewers get a run there just because you know nerves and the nature of the situation makes him just be a little bit off with that throw, and instead he made the throw both times, made the tag both times, and they got it done. So yeah, uh, <laughs> as as you're as you're known to say, Adam, one of your catchphrases, that's baseball, and that Just was baseball
3: today. It's my catchphrase. It's today, Andrew. Uh,
2: you had one a few months ago that was like, you got some you that you got to love baseball or something. I don't know. Logan will remind us. Um, because there there was one catchphrase that you had said a few times and uh, I loved it. Uh, anyway, moving on to the final game of this series. And uh, what a game it was. And there's one guy we're going to talk about, Adam. One guy who was given off all-star vibes deserves to be in the game. And he, he had another moment uh, in this in this series, in this game. On the mound for the Brewers was Freddie Peralta facing off against Marcus Stroman. Uh, Stroman, a guy who had before this game just given the Brewers fits. I watched him dominate them on opening day stroman having a great season in general a guy who you know you think would be available at the trade deadline uh given uh the struggles the cubs have had this season um but the brewers uh put forth a good effort against him uh towards the end of his outing the cubs would score first cody bellinger doubles to right to score christopher Morrell in the second uh in the fifth, the Brewers start the scoring. Uh, Joey Weimer single scores. Ryan Maltavi had to make it 1-1. And then Christian Yelich homers to left center field to make it 4-1. Brewers just a opposite field. Uh, back of the wall scraper for Yelich, but it highlights just a dynamite series for Yelich and just a great stretch of play that we keep talking about. And, We're going to talk about it again because it is the story on the positive end of this Brewer season. Is Christian Yelich looking like an all star caliber player again? Uh, 286 batting or 287 batting average now, 381 slug. Or, (laughs) Jesus, 381 on base percentage, 459 slug. That's an 840 OPS, 11 homers. This is just so much fun to watch. You and I did not get to experience as fans 2018 and 2019 Christian Yelich. And while he's not at that level right now, he's getting closer than he ever has in the last uh, several seasons. And he is just the Brewers' best player uh, in the lineup by a mile right now and giving them the production that they need when they need it. uh, And whether or not... uh, he ends up on the all-star team via an injury replacement. He's an all-star caliber player this season, and there's no doubt in my mind about that.
3: My only concern is the all-star break. That's my only really concern, yeah. honestly. I don't want a break for Yelly. Everyone else in this team <laughs> desperately needs it, except for maybe UL Pyups. I think mean, he probably needs it too, because he's got worked pretty hard right now. Um but like a, a world where this continues into the second half and then you get some guys back towards the back part of the season. Maybe the likes of Willie or Rowdy, something like that could regain some form. Like all kinds of possibilities open up for the Brewers because this is exactly the kind of player that they have not had um, in the past couple of seasons. And even though the outlook is pretty scary, and we'll get on to talking about the upcoming series and how it will shape a lot of it. Uh, This version of Christian Yelich opens a lot of doors or keeps a lot of doors open, might be be a better way of putting it, where you're not going to be out of it in the way that you were before when he was really, really kind of scuffling. So, it is an absolute joy to watch. It's a shock at the moment when he doesn't end up on base. He is just finding... Not to not to get people going because I know it's still a source of debate, but he is finding all parts of the field to some extent. Maybe not to the extent that everyone would like him to, um, but he's finding gaps. And the ball isn't going in the air, the ball's going in the air a whole lot more than it was before, and we're now a back-to-back series where he's hit a couple of bombs. So it's it's great I mean this is something that I wasn't entirely convinced we'd see again and even though this feels kind of like the version of Yelich that we were like oh if they could just get that one back it's trending up and beyond that this is trending towards old school Christian Yelich Andrew I think he's back and we just have to hope that that momentum doesn't get stalled in a way that's going to kind of upset the apple cart and we're not going to get to enjoy this the rest of the season. Cause right now it's, it's really, really fun.
2: You popped in like Robin Williams and Jumanji Adam saying, what year is it? Because with a four, one lead in the sixth, uh, who would help the Cubs claw back? Cody Bellinger, Cody Bellinger versus Christian Yelich do another commercial, uh, campaign baseball, uh, Yelich hits a two-run homer to make it 4-3. Kind of the story of Freddy Peralta's season this year is, you know, missing bats, throwing absolute gas. I think he threw a pitch that was nearly 99 miles per hour in, in this outing. But 98.7,
3: which, when that was put to him, he said, that's 99. Uh, yeah, so... ra-
2: round it up. <laughs> round it up for <laughs> Freddy. Uh, but yeah, this, the story of his season is good outings, missing bats, striking people out, and then Gives up a homer or has one bad inning. Five and a third innings pitch, four hits, three runs, all earned, three walks, ten strikeouts. So confounding season for Freddie to a degree, but when he was good, when he was good today or yesterday, he looked really good. Uh Bryce Wilson relieves him, uh records two outs to get out of the inning on a pair of strikeouts. Uh Elvis Piguero uh throws a scoreless inning. And then in the eighth, uh the Brewers would relinquish their lead with JC Mejia on the mound, who was recently called up. Uh, Jan Gomes, homers, uh, score himself, and Cody Bellinger. Bellinger had singled beforehand. So, a great day for Bellinger at the plate. Uh, as we talk about Yelich, Bellinger was four for four, two runs scored, three RBI, and the homer. Like, really, really going back in time in this game, Adam. Uh, then in the eighth inning, 830, 838
3: OPS, sorry, for Boinger, which I believe is just point zero one below Yelly,
2: if I have that. Yeah, Yelly's at Yelly's at eight forty, so they are they're, they're they're both having bounce back. It's wild. Yeah, it really is. And you know, I don't like seeing good things for the Cubs, but you know, good for if, you, Cody Ballinger. If,
3: if Cody Ballinger has to be great for Chris Yelge to be great, I think we're gonna have to, you know, just get on board with it.
2: And also maybe he'll get traded. I mean, the Cubs aren't going it anywhere. Exactly. I think it's a one year deal. Like go, go play for someone. I don't know. Go play for the Brewers. Uh, that's not happening. Um, Victor Caratini in the eighth inning and in a two strike count, which <laughs> really upset Michael Fulmer, uh, the pitcher on the mound for the Cubs when he let that happen. Uh, Victor Caratini crushes a homer to right field to make it six, five Brewers. Uh, with Devin Williams unavailable after his tough outing the night before. Yoel Piams comes on, allows a hit, but then uh, gets out of the inning with a strikeout as well. His ERA on the season down to 1.96. What what a trade. Uh, Brewers win 6-5, and uh, yeah, they uh, get the Gelich massive go-ahead homer in the fifth, relinquish that lead via Cody Bellinger, and then Jan Gomes. But then they managed to uh, get the game winning homer by Victor Caratini. I also forgot to mention in the seventh to make it 5 3, Willie Adamas did hit a sack fly to score Yelich, who had uh, uh, walked, stole second, advanced to third on throwing error. So uh, just another example of Yelich just impacting the game in a number of ways. Brewers win 6 5, a 2 2 split in the series. Like we said, two games back of the Reds now. But uh, overall, I think a series that you come away from it saying, you know what? Okay. That was stressful, exciting, all of the above, and the result is deserved, fair, and we'll take it going into the final series before the All-Star break.
3: We sure will. Um, like, I I do think this is ultimately the fair result for the series. And <laughs> the Brewers left it till the end to make sure they got out of there with the split. At least they did, we can certainly look at this and say they should have had at least one more. They could have had two more. And that is absolutely 100% true, but I do think the Cubs will feel similar. And I think on balance, just getting out there to split. All right, let's do it. And let's move on to, uh, the most important series of the season to date.
2: Moving on to the master brewer leaderboard, uh, Christian Yelich, two beers, eight for 17 series, two walks, a triple, a homer, seven runs, five RBI. Just outstanding for him. Y'all Piams, two beers, three innings pitched, no walks, just a hit allowed, no runs, three strikeouts, and the save in the final game. Elvis Piguero gets one beer, two innings pitched, a walk, no runs, two strikeouts. JB Bukowskis back in Nashville now, but two scoreless innings. First one was a little shaky. Second one was great. Uh, one walk, two, two strikeouts, no runs. Andre Monasterio uh, didn't play much this series, but three for five with a walk and a run. So living on base. Victor Caratini, the one hit in the series, but it was a massive one. Also had two walks, two runs and RBI. William Contreras, again, behind Yelich, just the most consistent hitter on this team. Five for 12, a walk, three runs, three RBI. Jemai Jones, two for four, a walk, that massive double, one run, three RBI. Willie Adamas, four for 15 on the series, two walks, a a double, a homer, one run, five RBI. So, Willie continues to tiptoe towards some semblance of consistency. Through 87 games, Devin Williams still leads the way with 21 beers. Christian Yalich and Yoel Piams behind him with 16. Brian Anderson with 14. Joey Weimer and William Contreras with 12. Peter Strezlacki, Owen Miller, Corbin Burns, Elvis Peguero, Willie Adamas with 11. Roddy Telez, Bryce Wilson, Hobie Milner with 10. Julio Tehron, Wade Miley, Bryce Terrain, Colin Ray, Victor Caratini with 7. Freddie Peralta with 6. Garrett Mitchell, Adrian Houser with 5. Blake Perkins, Jesse Winker, Andre Monasterio with four. Eric Lauer, Jake Cousins, Trevor McGill with three. Brandon Woodruff, Gus Farland, Javi Guerra, Tyrone Taylor, Raimel Tapia with two. Luke Voigt, Mike Barrasso, Matt Bush, Tyson Miller, Darren Ruff, Abraham Toro, Jamai Jones, and J.B. Bukowskis with one beer each. That brings us, Adam, to a six-game stretch that's going to do a lot to tell us about what this division race looks like shaping up into the middle of July because the Brewers, excuse me, have six games in a row coming up against the red-hot Cincinnati Reds who swept the Washington Nationals in a four-game series. Um, Yeah, I said, I, I slandered the Rockies a few weeks ago, said I don't know why they need to exist. Same for the Nationals. You don't deserve Paul Skeens or Dylan Cruz or whoever you end up getting uh, in the draft. You are useless. Anyway, um, Friday, seven ten Central start. Corbin Burns takes the mound against Andrew Abbott. Uh, Saturday, July eighth, three ten Central start. National TV game on Fox Sports One. Colin Ray against Luke Weaver. And then, as of right now, one ten Central start on Sunday, July 9th. Not seeing a pair of probable starters listed on my app here. Um, but yeah, three with the Reds at home. And then next weekend, three with the Reds on the road. So six games in a row against the Cincinnati Reds. Going to be Let's keep uh, going important. on that, though.
3: Let's keep going, because it's six against the Reds. Yeah, they play them nine
2: times in July.
3: On the road against the Phillies. Home to the Braves. Home to the Reds. On the road against the Braves. That is a brutal stretch <laughs> um, in terms of teams that have just got it going right now. So that's what 15 of your next 18 games are against the Reds or the Braves. Uh something's gonna change. Like something has to change. It's gotta click into place in a big way if the Brewers are gonna come out of that stretch where they need to be, which is on top or right in the thick of a race for the NL Central. Um, because that is a that is a tough stretch. Now the flip side of that is. Just do your damage against the Reds in all of those series, or at least do as much damage to the Reds as they do to you, and you'll always give yourself a chance. You'll keep things going. But on the other side of that, like some of the struggles we've seen, some of the concerns with the bullpen injuries, all of that stuff, if it doesn't, if the ship doesn't get righted over the break, it it could be over in a hurry. This season could go from oh, look, they're they're keeping it together and they're really good and there could be good things left to happen to it just being over. Um flip side is going to tear right now and the Brewers are like all of a sudden a legitimate team. So could we be at a more exciting kind of fork in the road? I don't know, Andrew. Um do I feel excited right now going into it? Might just be a little bit more apprehension than excitement.
2: Yeah, that uh brings us close to the end of this podcast. We went a little longer than I anticipated. I was gonna mix in some draft stuff. So I'll just briefly touch on kind of what we've seen mocked uh to the brewers from the the, the draft experts lately. Um drafts on Sunday night, um futures game on Saturday, and obviously home run derby Monday and All-Star game Tuesday. So a lot of uh baseball stuff going on. Basically, it seems like this is a deep draft for college hitters, so that's the direction the Brewers are likely going. If someone like Hurston Waldrip from uh, Florida slips to them at 18th, I think uh, they would probably make that decision. But latest things we're seeing are uh, Tommy Troy, who's an infielder from Stanford. Uh, being mocked to them. Guys like Jason Wilk, uh, Wilson, who's a shortstop from, from Ga- Grand Canyon. Uh, Brock Wilkin at Wake Forest. Andy Morales from Miami. Matt Shaw at Maryland, if he slips down that far. Um, or Nolan Shanuel, who's a first baseman from uh, Florida Atlantic. Those are kind of the guys that have been popping up in mock drafts lately. <clears throat> Just because of the nature of this draft and, and where the, the strengths lie. unless one of those pitchers slips it seems like uh another bat will be added to the organization 18th obviously they have the pick at 33rd as well so they have a chance to get uh two uh talented players into the organization um with two early picks and then obviously the rest of the the draft will, uh, will unfold from there but that's something we will get a chance to talk about uh next week and so uh yeah looking forward to it. I always love uh, having more prospects to to dream on.
3: I'm excited for you to tell me what I should be excited about and who I should be excited about um when we when we next record. So yeah, we already have plenty of bright shining stars that we're pinning our hopes on for the Brewer's future. let's let's add to that and let's give ourselves even more reason for mid to long term optimism.
2: All right. One more. One more note. Um, this is bad news in a in Uh a sense. Um, but it's it looks like uh Corbin Carroll might might have gotten a knock uh yesterday. Does that open opportunity for Yelich to be in the All Star game? We'll see.
3: Sure. Sure. Should. All right. Well, that's interesting. Um. On that note, let's wait and see. And to make sure you never miss anything we talk about here in the pod, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's cruising for a bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. Euroset Podcast Network, the main feed onto all things Milwaukee Books, Talk to the Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers, and Make Time for This for all things Pop Culture. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening.
2: Thanks, Adam.
1: The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos.